Now, I've already received a couple comments. Pastor, what is going on? You're wearing a tie. And then some of you noticed that I cut myself. I must have been shaving without glasses because nobody shaves back here, right? I got a new, like old school razor for Christmas. And I haven't figured that thing out yet. And so I don't know what was happening, but pray for me. So those of you on this side of the room, don't get distracted if I start bleeding out, but call 911. Turn to John 15, 4 through 5. I am wearing the tie because I felt like it. I'm wearing the tie because it is the state of the church address. And I'm free to. Yes, my friend. Been inspired many times. This morning, we're going to give you the state of the church address. Last week, we talked about what we have seen God do at Concord Bible Church through His people. And I hope you left inspired, to use Roger's word this morning. I was inspired. I was blessed. 2013 was a challenging year. But we saw our church grow. We saw our church do the things that the church is supposed to be doing. We also know that our church has a lot of growth to see happen spiritually and within the premises of these four walls. And so as we move forward today, it's not reflecting on the past. It's talking about this coming year, 2014. Where are we going where is God leading us? You've already heard me uh, let you know that our theme this year is going to be abide. I've been praying. I always start praying about six months out. Lord, where do you want to lead us in this next year? And this year, he impressed on me early. It didn't take a lot of, a lot of prayer to get my answer. But it was going to be on this theme of abiding. And so you're going to hear a lot of this. I want it to become the talk that comes off of your lips you will bring me great joy as I walk around here on a Wednesday night or we're in casual conversations or we're at a barbecue or a ball game or you're just talking to me on the phone or you email me or text me or whatever it would be. Send me a message like this. If you do that, then we're going to talk later. But anyway, I want to hear us talk about abide. What does that look like? What does that mean? This morning, we're going to start in the Scripture and then I'm going to give you the breakdown. Turn to John 15 if you're not already there. We're going to be heavy into the Scripture this morning, but we're going to be moving fast, so please take notes. Like I said earlier, we'll come back starting next week, starting in verse 1, and we'll start expositing everything. This morning, we're taking a thematic verse that's going to be the premise for our year, and that's verses actually two verses, 4 and 5. So let me read those now. Out of the scripture, I'll put them up on the screen for you. And it says this. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, let's start with this word abide. That's the Greek word. Any of you guys read that? Yeah, that's what I thought. 
what you really need to grab a hold of is the definition. It's in the Greek, and as it is used in this context, it means to stay, to abide, to remain. How many of you in your translations have the word remain instead of abide? Anybody? Yeah. All right, synonymous terms. Let's see what uh, Wikipedia, Wikigrekia says, right? Accept or act in accordance with a rule, a decision, or recommendation. I said I would abide by their decision. That seems a little negative in context, doesn't it? Mm, let's go back just to the Greek and just lavish in that for a moment, shall we? You see, this is such a negative context. We don't like to hear the word rules, do we? We don't like to hear the word contract, do we? What a beautiful thing that when Jesus is saying this, it has nothing to do with rules. It's about relationship, isn't it? And you'll hear the purpose of what Jesus is saying here in verse 11 in a moment. This will drive you. This will drive me. This is Christ's purpose in saying it. We'll get to it in a minute. As we move on, let me help you with setting the table. Why focus on this? Why have this as a preclusionary thought to what we're going to do this year? Well, the secret to the relationship with Christ often evades us. We become lazy. We become uninterested. And we can equate that with any relationship sometimes, can't we? Have you ever become uninterested in some of your relationships? I would say that one of the reasons that that happens is because we're not abiding in that relationship. We've chosen to slowly separate ourselves out or immediately separate ourselves out. Some of us can relate to that, whether it's work relationships, whether it is family relationships, sometimes children, sometimes spouse, unfortunately. And usually what happens within that, that spousal relationship is that there are two divergences away from abiding. There is an essence of being about myself and pursuing what I desire and what I want. And one of the things that I'm, I'm getting ready to do premarital counseling for two couples in our church. And our first section will be about expectations. That if we don't bring our expectations in line with one another, we have already set ourselves up for massive conflict, haven't we? I'm not talking about toilet paper rolling or toothpaste squeezing. All right? Talk about the real things, the depth of the heart. That if we're not abiding in those things together, we slowly start to drift into our own worlds. And now what happens to the relationship? It's waning. It's uninteresting. Why give any energy to it? Can you make the correlation to our spiritual relationship then? That if we're not making the effort and stridently going after abiding in Christ, then we look at this relationship with Jesus and we just see it as a heavenly benefactor that's going to save us from hell. And that's about it. And we'll get to that when we get to it. Right? What we have promised to us is life to the full right now in relationship with Christ. How do we attain that? We abide. We abide. The relationship, number one, is orchestrated by Jesus. He's the one that dictates it because He's perfect. 
I would much rather acquiesce to Christ than I would my own plan or my own vision for this relationship. Agreed? Agreed. Good. Secondly, we own something in this abiding, and that is choice. Here's the amazing thing. While Jesus dictates how the relationship needs to go because He's holy, He knows how to make it go well, He is wise, I need to learn, I need to lean on Him. Yet He gives me a what? A choice. He gives you a what? A choice. And when I choose to vacate or back away or slowly diminish in my affections, I no longer abide. I no longer abide. My heart is adulterously given over to other things. It's a choice. Every day is a choice to abide in Christ. Every moment is a choice to abide in Christ. This past week on Wednesday, how many of you celebrated New Year's Day? Any of you? Some of us celebrated it with physical violence. Out there in Newhall Park. And I was introduced to a young man's full force of his shoulder coming into... um, this all right and uh you know i'm not the young spry buck i i'm close but i'm not the young spry buck i used to be and in actuality i felt like i had 12 years of emphysema building up instantaneously (laughs) and so i was looking for some place defensively i could play on the field where i was no longer a liability so i just counted and i'm doing the numbers and okay they have two guys that have to stay there that leaves us one that can just stand right in the middle and act like he's doing something so that's my role. I'm guy in the middle acting like he's doing something. So I'm standing there and I know enough that my limitations are I'm not playing safety where I'm running to help double up on the corners. I'm never going to get there. That's going to be a circus freak show. That ain't going to work. So I'm going to just plant right here and take away the middle. And I know enough that I've watched enough football that you're supposed to watch the quarterback's eyes. And I saw Dave start to wind up to hit Tony on this crossing route. Tony's right over here. He's a diminutive sort of person if you haven't met him yet. I met him. I met him at like 45 miles an hour. And so I saw Dave's eyes pick up on him. He'd, always burnt a, he'd already burnt us three times on this route. Uh, I'm going to jump the route. And I'm, so I run up to knock, the, and he never passed it. And now I'm a dead man. Because he ain't stopping. And I'm sitting, and I'm like, oh. And then I felt bad because I, I like, we just collided. I'm thinking, welcome to the church. This is your pastor. We're up close and personal. You know, I, I made a choice to jump in there foolishly. But I made that choice. Because I wanted to do whether or not I was going to get hurt or not, or whatever it was. Instantaneously, I wanted to do the right thing. We make choices almost instantaneously every day, don't we? Thousands of choices. Where's Jesus in that choice? And that takes a discipline. Men, listen to me. You have to do all these things. First of all, you have to be a man. That's getting fuzzy in our society. Secondly, you need to step up and provide sometimes. If you have a family, if you have a wife, you have to step up and provide. Third, you're supposed to be the guy that's got the answers. 
fifth, oops, let's jump this all the way back over to first. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader of the household. Men, we are flooded with all of this, and that's where our mind is. Because we're programmed to think this way. We are not programmed to think, what would Jesus do? What does Jesus want me to say? What does Jesus want me to do? What does Jesus want me to change? It's a discipline of the mind. It's a discipline, men. And it's never going to change. We're never going to learn how to abide if we don't start the discipline of making the choices. So let's do it. Ladies, let's make the choice to follow Christ and to listen to His voice. That when you have all these decisions that you have to make throughout the day, when sometimes you just don't feel like it's happening, make the choice to abide in Him. And He will restore. He will give you what you need in that moment, in that day, in that hour. Because He says He will. And we'll get to that. Thirdly, He promises to supply. He says what? In verse 4, read it again. Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in Me. Understanding how grammar works, that is in fact a promise. That is in fact a promise. So let's break this down and look at what we're talking about. It's about working together to produce. Verse 5 speaks about this. Verse 5 speaks about working together to produce. Why are we trying to abide in Christ? Because we are to produce fruit. If God came down and did an examination of your life right now and said on a productivity level, what have you done for me? By the way, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. But let's say he just fast forwarded and he just came right now and he said, where's the fruit from your life? Where's the production from your life? Who would you be in the story of the talents? Would you be the one that said, oh, well, you know, I, I took this and I, I doubled it. And Jesus would say, to what? Well done. Well done. But don't be the last person who, out of fear of not sure what's going to happen here. And so my choice, my choice was not to let you supply the power to make this happen. It was focusing on my limitations, my inabilities, my insecurities, and saying, I really can't do that. I can't step, in that, step up in that area. I'm just going to sit nice and safe and say, I love the Master. I love the Master. The Master is great. But see, the Master came back and He said, what did you do with what I gave you? And you are accountable for that. You are to produce fruit because I'm supposed to be working through you. I gave you something that could replicate itself. What did you do with it? The one who buries what God gives to him is not the one who is abiding in Christ. They're the one that says, I no longer want to... Have Him work through me. I'm going to play it safe. That's my choice. And I understand that. Because if my eyes are focused on my inabilities, my insecurities, I would never stand up in front of you. 
I would never dare try to speak the Word of God. But because of Christ, I stand before you trying my best to purvey the principles of Scripture that will change our lives and bring us great joy. Not because of my talent, but because of the talent God works through. And I pray that on that day when I stand before Him, He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. But it's not because of what I have done. It's because of what? Because of Him working through me. Of Him working through me. Our spiritual purpose is to produce fruit for God's glory. Do you see it? Do you see it in Scripture? Because it's there. This is what this is all about, is to produce fruit. Abiding is not a retreating from the world around so that you can sit there and suck in the glorious, rapturous, wonderful essence of Jesus Christ. That's a benefit. But that is not what he signed this up for. It is to bring glory. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light shine before men so that they would what? So that they would see by your good works. They would see and recognize my Father in heaven. And what? And give glory to Him. Ephesians 2.10 Let's turn there in our Scriptures if we will. I don't want to just quote this. I want you to see it. If you've got a pen, if you've got uh, charcoal, I don't care what it is. Mark it. And look at it carefully. We're familiar, many of us are familiar with 8 and 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved. But let's go down just a little bit further to 10. It says, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Not for Christ Jesus, but in Him. In Him. That means we are an extension of Him, just like the vine. Just like the picture that Christ is proposing. We are what? His workmanship, created in In Christ Jesus for what? For good works. And by the way, these good works have a plan. Did you know that? These good works have a plan. We were at a a memorial service yesterday for the Muzak family. And I walked into with everybody else, uh, uh, some people from our church actually, and we walked into the reception hall and it's just a buzz. They're still trying to get things done. And I look off to my left and, and there's somebody from our church pinning up pictures for the family. I don't even know that they know the Muzak family. That person's in the room right now. And I would just say to you, that work, that good work that you did yesterday, that good work was predetermined before the creation of the world that you would do that. And you chose to abide in Christ. You chose to let Him work through you. And you're just one person that Christ worked through yesterday. To minister to a family. Our spiritual purpose is to produce fruit for God's glory. Two, our spiritual purpose is only fulfilled by constant connection to Jesus. Turn to Romans 8, will you? We need to look at this. This is one of the profound passages that speaks to the essence of what it means to be a believer. And this speaks to this choice as to whether or not we abide or whether we do abide. How many of us struggle with this idea that Jesus is in us versus the Spirit is in us? You ever think about that? You know? 
we, we have this Christianese that we talk. That's Jesus into my heart. You know, every once in a while I have people say, what on earth are you talking about? Jesus in your heart. And, and would you know how to go to Scripture and explain that? Would you know how to verify that Jesus is saying that He is in you? You better, because we went over it in John 14. But see, there's a connection in the Trinity. And it is the Spirit, and the Spirit speaks to who Jesus is. He always points to Jesus. He always points to Jesus. Yesterday, at this memorial service, um, an individual was giving testimony about the young man who tragically passed away. And he says, he may not be here right now physically, but he is always in me. He is always in my heart. He's not gone. And that's in essence what is being described here. Jesus is talking to the disciples that He's going to have to leave and they get upset. They're distraught about this. And so Jesus assures them, I will be in you. And the primary function, the primary way that happens for you and I, brothers and sisters, is the Spirit of God in us. Speaking to who Christ is. Who the character of Christ is. Ministering to us as if Jesus was standing in front of us. That is the role of the Spirit. So it's through the Spirit that we have Christ in us. Listen to this if you think that was just a bunch of hooey and pastors hitting the hinky meter pretty hard. Listen to what he actually says. Romans 8, 9-11 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, the Spirit of God dwells in us if we have asked Christ into our heart. If we have committed in faith to reach out to Him and name Him Lord of our life. If we've gone through the repentance of being a sinner and understanding our need for a Savior and giving testimony, Romans 10.9, that it is Jesus Christ alone that can save us from our sin and reconcile us to the Father. If we have made that decision and believe it, believe it, epignosis, then we have the Spirit of God inside of us. Now what do we do with that? Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That is the capstone of it. Right there, our spirit or our spiritual purpose is only fulfilled by constant connection to Christ. How does that happen? It is the Spirit working through us. And it is there to give us life. To give our dead bodies. How many of you have woken up on a morning saying, my body is dead? That was me on Thursday. My body is dead. It ain't working right. And I wish I could tell you that in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking about this verse. I need to think about that more often. It doesn't matter what my body's doing. Some of us struggle with physical ailments and, and uh, those, those challenges. And, and there's, we have people in the hospital right now that, that are in that situation. And yet they can thrive. Because of why? Because of verse 11 here. Because of the Spirit working in us. And, and what does that mean? Okay, Pastors get up and they say a lot. And you walk out and it's kind of a blur and you're not even really sure what happened. Well, let's define this. Let's put some feet to this. What does it mean for you and for me to say that the Spirit is residing in us and for, for the Scripture to say it takes my dead body and it makes me alive? 
It goes back to last year's theme. Simply that that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, even physically, that same Spirit is at work with you. It means limitless. Limitless. This is my spiritual purpose. Is to be constantly connected to Christ. And if that is happening, my life will be more than fulfilled. This is what it means to abide. Third, our spiritual purpose is to be filled with joy. I told you we were getting to it. Just go down to verse 11, will you? Go to verse 11. I'm going to have to turn there in my Bible so I don't misquote it. wish I could say as your pastor I'd memorize the whole Bible. I'm working on it. It'll happen a month after I get to heaven. Verse 11 says this. These... Now, cat, no, stop. Just stop. Again, pastors can get up here and... I'm very passionate. Somebody said I was charismatic this week. I love it. I don't have a charismatic bone in my body. Um, But I can just say a lot of stuff. The whole point to this, out of Jesus' mouth that you have to hear, is this. The whole point. Remember the Wikigrekia interpretation of the word abide? That it had all this negative connotation. You tell me what's negative about this. Because this is Jesus' purpose for us to abide in Him. He says, these things I have spoken to you. And those are the things that we're examining starting next week and a little bit of right now, right? These things I have spoken to you, and here it comes, that my joy may be in you. How many of you ever experienced the joy of Christ in you? And, and, and you knew it. You're like, wow. That was the joy of Christ. I can't even wrap my head around that. How do I even begin to define that? The joy of Christ. I know what Hebrews 12 says. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame. What kind of joy is that? That's not my picture when I think joy immediately. There's so many words wrapped up in that. Love. Peace excitement, purpose, fulfillment, happiness. His joy is in us. This is the reason He came. This is the reason He is saying this. This is the reason that He is the vine and we are the branches and we are to produce fruit. That fruit should look like joy. It should look like joy. And let's continue on. And it says this, and that your joy may be full. I ran back in. I was already over here this morning and I forgot a prop. I was going to have a prop sitting right here. And it was a bowl filled with fruit. And I ran back to the house to get all this fruit and there was like one orange and it was all withered. (laughs) And I'm like, that's not not joy, baby. That is not fulfilled joy. Fulfilled joy is when Janine has gone to the store, which she does a great job at. We're just, you know, it was the holidays. So we got lots of chocolate. I could have brought chocolate, but that doesn't, Jesus didn't say bear chocolate. He said bear fruit. And so I was going to have this platter filled with oranges as a visual for you. There's something that's exciting. I walk in my house and I just see these oranges flowing over out of a bowl. It's fulfilled. It's full. 
This is what Jesus wants, and this is what it means to abide in Him. Are you feeling empty, my friend? Abide. Abide. Make the choice to abide. Because this is His purpose behind doing this. Now, how are we going to do all this? By the way, turn to 1 Timothy 6, shall we? 1 Timothy 6. Last time I checked, Timothy was towards the back of the New Testament. Somewhere before Revelation. You can find it. I might not, but you can find it. It is on page 2334, if you want to turn there. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 says this, And for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to what? To enjoy. To enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, producing fruit. Again. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and be ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. I want to live. I want to live the way Christ wants me to live. Amen? This will be a year unlike any other year. May I have the constant reminders that I need to choose to abide in Him. So, how do we do this? Ready? Here you, here you go with our state of the church. That's the Scripture that, that sets forth our boundaries and our horizons for where we're going. We want to be a church that's bearing much fruit. Why do we want to do that? Because pastor said no, because this is Christ's expectation for us. That we bear much fruit. You ready? We start personally. Because by the way, the church is Nancy. The church is Christy. The church is David. You are the church. When we come together corporately, we make a a unified body of something else. Boy, that's our slogan, right? We're something else. But we want to bear much fruit. Personally, number one, we want to exalt God personally. Personally, every day, in your personal walk. Again, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men. Let your good works shine so that what? So that they would give glory to your Father in heaven. Putting on the new self, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, speaks about taking those things that are the mark of who you used to be before Christ, setting them aside. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about the fact that we are a new creation in Christ. How many of you, as an adult, have experienced Christ and you know I don't have that privilege, but you know who you used to be and you know who you are now and you're abiding in Him and that is life compared to what it used to look like? Any amens out there? That's what it's supposed to be. Putting on the new self. Kindness. Love. Holiness. Speaking to one another out of the Scriptures. Singing with one another. 
That it being a, a personal extension of who we are, admonishing one another, loving, caring, supporting, forgiving one another. This is who we are to be personally as the church. Our third, transforming prayer, John 14, 13 through 14. Let's turn there. We quoted this last week as one of the promises that, the, that our Lord and Savior has given to us. And afterwards, a gentleman came up to me and, and wanted to clarify, and I really appreciated that, wanted to clarify that just because you ask for something doesn't necessarily mean God's going to give it to you. Now, that's what we're about to read. But he says, you know, it has to be within God's plan. And I said, absolutely. And uh, we had just taught on that. And so the context of what everybody was hearing, they, they understood. But let me reiterate that, that as we look at this verse, verses 13 through 14, the context is that we are abiding in him. Therefore, we would never ask for that which is not righteous, that which is not part of God's plan. But if we are asking within his plan, what does he say about prayer? He says, whatever you ask in my name. Now, in my name is much more complicated than what it seems on the surface. We have equated that with just say Jesus Christ at the end of your prayer and boom, it's going to hit. No. When I spoke on this, my dad was visiting. It was over Thanksgiving. And I said, you guys remember this illustration, right? It'd be like me going to him as a a 16 year old and saying, hey, dad, I want a motorcycle. I'm not going to go to him and ask him for a motorcycle because I know what he's going to say, right? It's not part of his plan, in my, in, in, and I, I didn't even have to go there. He just said no. Felt that whole thing all over again in real life. But I knew not to ask them for because I knew that's not part of their plan. Same thing. Now, if some of you other people were my parents, it might have turned out a whole lot different. Anyway, If some of you were my parents, you may have said, yeah, you can have a motorcycle. But you're not my parents. And my parents would never let me have... So I knew not to ask. You get it? It's not just saying, God, I want this job. In Jesus' name. Boom, there it is. It's not what it's saying. Personally, we have to be about transforming prayer. We have to understand that if we ask according to who Jesus is, you'll see transforming prayer happen. And then joy. John 15 11, we've already read that. So personally, those are four elements. Those aren't, you know, those aren't complete. There's other aspects, but we're going to focus on those four this morning. Personally, what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to bear much fruit? Go that direction. Secondly, corporately, how do we bear much fruit? Acts 2.47 talks about how the church committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. They committed themselves to prayer. They committed themselves to one another and to Christ. And what happened as a result? Numbers were added to them daily. It is amazing when people are abiding in Christ, you become attractive. Some of you are like, Pastor, wow, really? I can be attractive. Absolutely. Be attractive for Christ. I'm always talking to my daughters. Always talking to my daughters. There's no hope for my son. No, I'm just kidding. Always talking to my daughters. About what true beauty is. That it comes from the Spirit of God working through you. That those are the beautiful things. Everything else is gonna... Whatever. 
but it's gonna. Numbers were added daily because they were attractive, because their eyes, their, their hearts were abiding in Christ. Secondly, they were having baptisms. You saw last week the picture that I put up of Eric. And uh, that struck me last Saturday night, and I shared with you. So on Monday, I went, made a couple copies of that picture, framed it. Aaron Brothers having a great sale, two for one. And called Eric, and, and he came in Wednesday into my office. And we just sat and shared, and I've got it up on my wall now to remind me. Everything in my office is there to remind me about something to do with God. It's there to remind me about what my purpose is. What the greatest joy of what I get to do. And baptism is the fruit. Amen? It is the fruit of God's work in people. Thirdly, how do you bear much fruit corporately as a church? I believe transforming prayer is another element of that. And we see it here. You've, you've heard me say that we're a little challenged when it comes to corporate prayer around here. But this is a church that believes in prayer. I know because I see your prayer requests. I know because I hear of the answers to prayer. We had a family in the church this past week that was praying desperately for someone in their family, medical issues, and all but a miracle. Am I right? A miracle happened. Transforming prayer. Transforming prayer. And then our mission statement. You can see the full elongation of our mission statement in our bulletin. But it's up above me, and we chose to put it above me in case you ever get bored while I'm speaking, which is usually most Sundays, but you can focus on what we want to be about. Number one, we want to be about Christ, but as a church, if we're not accomplishing these things, if we take on any effort of ministry and we don't have some kind of tie into that mission statement, then we shouldn't be doing it. We're not being purposeful in what we're doing, but you only see those five E's let me read them to you. They're always in your bulletin, top right corner of the first page. Number one, exalt Jesus Christ through prayer and worship. Number two, equip the body for discipleship and ministry. Number three, edify through the study and teaching of the Scriptures. Number four, engage one another through love and fellowship. And number five, evangelize the lost. This is our mission statement. Corporately, this is how we can abide in Christ as a church. And this is how we will attempt to do this this year. Some of the last concepts I want to share with you is in context to unity. How many of you grew up in a house divided? That's hard, isn't it? Constant fighting. Sometimes there's not even constant fighting because the division is so hard. There's no, there's no talking. There's nothing. Do you know that there's churches that exist like that? It'd be like Nathaniel over here. Just having such an issue with Roger. They actively choose to sit on polar opposites. 
Now, that's not the case. I know where you're going with this. That's not the case. But folks, there are people in churches and there are churches that allow that to happen. Can we just get an agreement that we're going to work towards unity? You want to go to a free church, an evangelical free church? Here's the slogan of the evangelical free church. It's one of the main reasons I love the evangelical free church. is that we major on the majors and we minor on the minors. Please do not. Oh, I'm going to get fired right now. Do not bring that reformed stuff in these four walls. And some of you are looking at me like, what? I don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about, Pastor. This. Sola Scriptura. We only follow the Bible, not a systematic approach where men's logic gets in and starts to divide the church. There are Christian churches all over the world. Missionaries. This is an egregious sin. Missionaries go in and start to do a work with the people and then other churches from the western states come over and they start to divide instantly those groups in the name of Christ because you need to believe this system. And we want to hide behind we have to have proper theology so that people truly are going to heaven. You know what? Here's your proper theology. Follow Christ. Know Christ. That's what Paul said. Paul said, this one thing I preach. Now he had to give instruction, a ton of instruction. You know why? Because the churches were divided. Over and over and over. By the way, I have a love for Reformed theology. And what did I just tell you? You know why? Because you can't handle it. The church cannot handle the discussion. You're going to hear in John 17 how Jesus begs that we would be unified. By the way, I'm just picking on one thing. Jesus wants... By the way, did you hear I love Reformed theology? Did you hear that? Okay, I just want you all to settle down. You can ask me afterwards if I'm a 6-point or 12-point or whatever. I care less. Follow Christ. We will be unified as a church. If you have a problem with me, let love be sincere. Come talk to me. Because that's what Jesus would want. If I have offended you, if I have hurt you, get in line. (laughs) When we're in heaven, I won't do it anymore. And I purposely don't try right now. But it's inevitable. Because I struggle. Let's be unified. Let's make Christ the purpose of what we do. And we can abide in Him. How can you abide in Christ yet hate your brother? I don't know how you do that. But if I abide in Christ, I can overlook the differences easily. Because Christ did. Because Christ did. There's no room for a critical spirit if I want to abide in Christ. There is an eagerness to participate in what the church is doing corporately if I abide in Christ. The focus on Christ first, then others, then self. 
is the way that I can abide in Christ rather than in myself. We need to have zero tolerance for sin. Are you there yet? I'm not. I'm not. I'll just be honest with you right now. I know four or five areas in my life that I want to be lazy. I want to be selfish. I could go on and on, but you don't need to hear about my issues. I'm not there yet. I probably have a 92% zero tolerance for sin. I need to have a, oh, you mathematicians, I know I went zero percent, you know, whatever. I need to get to that point where I say there cannot be sin, the active choice to pursue sin, because if I do that, I can no longer what? I can't abide. I can't abide. And that's what's important. We need to praise. We need to praise. And as I look out in front of me, I'm going to say what, what Christ said. You are the praise of God the Father. You are the praise of the work of Christ Jesus. You are the fruit of the cross. And we as a church will be about producing fruit through Christ in 2014. Amen? Amen. No teleprompters, not half bad. Let's pray. I'm going to ask the men to prepare to take the offering. If you're reformed, you were destined to give. So, God's already predetermined it. It's a little reformed humor. I just... Kidding. Some of you are like, I don't even know what that stuff is, and you're going to start Googling things. Just stay out of it. Just call me, okay? Call me. All right? There's some beautiful things about doctrine. Beautiful things and, and necessary things, and we need to learn it. But uh, far too often, we become about logically following systems rather than Christ. Let's abide. Father, this morning, we are excited to pursue You. I'm excited in my personal life. Lord, as I humbly admit in front of the sheep that I don't have a zero tolerance for sin yet, Lord, help me get there. Help me get there. Help me be able to stand before you, not just the congregation, but stand before you with an attitude that says, I have a zero tolerance for sin. Let me be able to stand before you and say that you are my first and foremost pursuit in life. That anything that is produced through me is because I am in a healthy relationship and that you are feeding through the branch. You are, are moving from the root system, from the vine and you're feeding me and you're producing through me. Lord, I pray that for all of us in the room. Let your will be done so that we may experience joy and that our joy may be fulfilled. Guide us personally and corporately this year. Lord, use this gift to your work, to your glory, to your joy, to your effect. 
Bless those who are giving. Let us all give out of joy that we are able to participate and produce fruit. To your glory, Father. Amen.